Hey guys, you're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. If you like darkness, gloom, despair, nighttime music, then Death Crux is a band that you need to check out. I caught up with Farron Loathing, the vocalist for Death Crux, a new band. Well, they're not so new, but they're new to me at least, a band that I've recently gotten obsessed with. Turns out that uh, he was also the lead singer for Lightning Swords of Death, another band that uh, you may be familiar with. So anyway, we don't really stick to the topic on this one. We start talking about music, we get into movies, we start talking about psychedelics, uh, all this kind of stuff. And um, it's a little bit rambling, but we had a great time. So here we go. I've been aware of Death Crux for a while, but it wasn't until... Um, I interviewed Joe Bagos and Josh Ethier that the, you guys really sunk in because your music appears in, in their films. Right. And do you know, are you friends with those guys? I guess you are, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Joe, I've met a few times. He's super cool. Josh, I've, I've known for a, f- a few years now because he was tight with uh, Brian, who plays guitar, Brian Sowell, in Death Crux. But uh when Brian and I met and we had just kind of started talking about death crux, uh, I wanted to make a video for lightning swords of death. And, uh, during that process, uh, I helped Brian with some of his videos. Uh, and, uh, we, he, uh, Josh was helping us with the editing work on the videos and so we kind of got, you know, associated then. Yeah, because Josh is, uh, you know, for those of you out there, uh, Josh is uh, editor extraordinaire and sometimes bad guy in uh, yes. Joe Bagos' films. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And there was He's something... an imposing of- figure. I mean, as sweet, sweet as can be, but, like, he casts a, a, a terrifying silhouette. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And... uh Definitely, uh, they're taking advantage of his physical presence and uh, his roles in some of those films. Definitely, it was the context of the um, the film, the short film that Josh did, Gutter, and mm. you your your music, the Death Crux music, was featured in this like uh, bar scene. And I think just the whole atmosphere. I had like all the lights out in the apartment, and just like the screen was on, and and the atmosphere of your music fitting in with this kind of foreboding atmosphere in that movie. That's when I really, it really sunk in. And I'd been aware of the band, like I said before, and just because I pay attention to this style of music, you know, it's kind of dark wave death rock, you know, whatever mm. it's um, a genre that I'm very much interested in. But once I started digging deeper and I realized that we actually have quite a bit of overlap within our circle of friends uh you know jay bennett sarah Timms, like all these people, yeah yeah you know josh Hethier. uh then i started getting more and more interested in the band and i really started running the two you know mutant flesh in particular kind of back to back to back listens and that's amazing uh, you know I, I i am a fan of your music oh thank you your work and it's it means a lot when 
people, artists that you like are into your art, you know? So I appreciate that. Music to my ears. And I'm glad the movie and movies, I, I'm so happy that Josh likes our stuff and sticks us in there because, you know, you, it's kind of a vacuum, especially because like Death Crux is kind of a, a genre bender. And you've, to me, it's like, you know, it's all, you know, sin between whatever it does. It all fits together because of the, the, the overlap that you speak of in, in music even, you know, and, but it's hard to, it's a lot, but I'm getting that a lot of people don't know about us. We really found our fan base. So hearing the, it helped you find us a little more and, and that people are hearing, seeing the movie and hearing us. It's, I'm really, I'm very thankful to both Joe and Josh for, including us in those films. It's, they're amazing. So let's talk about the band specifically now, because, uh, you know, you are also in Lightning Swords of Death, the black metal project, and uh, that band's still active, I think, right? I used to say, like, cryostasis, but it's feeling more and more like, like warm food to me. <laughs> Although, I mean, I would really, I, I love a lot of the lightning swords experiences I had and I would, I'd be totally down to do shit with them again. But we had, we just had a lot of, we were together for a long time. And I think everyone who wants to has put it out there, but you know, it's, there's like, there's like babies and crazy, crazy stories. And I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. But Hey, you know, Twin Peaks came back. So uh, you never know. It took 20-something years. Know. It took 20-something years for that to happen. So. <laughs> Maybe we'll wait for exactly the same amount of time, and we'll just, if, we can't, if we're can't, if we not shitting our pants by then. <laughs> also, uh, some of the other members are, we're in Barry to See, another uh, fine band uh, that I, I've, I'm a big fan of that band as well. Um, oh, yeah. And then a variety of other uh, current bands that are making their way through the dark underworld of uh, this yes, type of music. Yes. So how did, uh, what's the genesis of the band? How did you guys all come together? You know, what's the story behind all that? Um, I think I, I used to live with the, with the drum, our drummer, uh, Brandon Pierce. He's also one of those bands you mentioned, uh, Glare, the two A's. He's, he plays drums in that band with his wife. And they, they, they have like this, it's an incredible dad on it, if you're familiar with them. But, uh, but back then he was in the Ancestors and we lived together and he was in Ancestors and I was lightning sorts of death. And uh, we, as you know, we both grew up listening to like death rock and goth as well as like all the metal stuff and hardcore stuff that we were into. Uh, but we hadn't actually played in those kinds of bands. And then, I remember uh, there was this, a few Urfaust releases. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you know Urfaust. Yeah, definitely. But like, we, yeah, we, we, all, man, we, were, we were just all about the Urfaust for a while. And like, there is that one, this one song. It's so funny because this happens a lot. Like a band will, will scrape a vibe and leave it there. They're just like, yeah, that was just an experimental thing. But uh, we heard this one song called, what is it? It's uh, I, you know, good luck trying to remember. It had like a, like a Bauhaus meets like Philosophum Burzum vibe to it. He wasn't doing the, the, the 
rabid Ethel Merman vocals. He was doing this more kind of like, you know, kind of gothy death rock. It's like, oh man, you know, noisy, 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 uh, loud, fast, even uh, death rock, gothy death rock would be, you know, I want to hear more of that band. And uh, we just started kind of putting together like a fantasy band and it just was conversation for a while. And Brian, when he moved out here, like Sanford was like, go be friends with Farron. And uh, we, we hit it off immediately. And then he started becoming co- part of the conversation. And uh, it just became like your tightest, most beloved friends, like all deciding to be in a band together and having the same, like, wouldn't it be cool to make this kind of sound? So even Sanford, even Sanford Parker is involved in this thing too. Yeah, he was, it's funny. Yeah. He's, he sent, he sent, he knew Brian was moving out here to Los Angeles and he was like, seek Farron. And like, literally, I I don't know if he talked like, like Yoda or something, but he was like, go up, go there. And uh, he contacted me and, met up and became tight bros immediately <laughs> we were both like movie fanatics you know and speak that language and just nerd out on shit and so like we started he, he immediately was into the vibe that we were talking about, which was just a conversation i think honestly it didn't even really turn out the way we were planning or at least the way i i originally thought we i thought we were going to do something way more uh, raw and uh like broken glass like singing pretty over broken glass was the thing that was in the head but you know that's 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 the nature of uh creativity like all you need is the spark of wanting to do something that you think you know what you want to do and that kind of turns into something else there yeah. are a lot of a lot there are a lot of Leviathan songs that uh, from the demo stuff where he'd like, he'd like pause and like from like the Carol Ann trapped in the TV set sound that the, that he had, you know, like, and it would go into this like creepy Dracula voice. And I was like, Oh man, oh, Jeff, I could listen to a whole record of that. <laughs> the six demo. And yeah, so we were yeah. listening to that all the time and everyone's pulling out their red lorry, yellow lorry records and, like get, we're just you know we're not pretty enough to pull off the visual aspect of it really you know but we just started wanting to do some like noisy noisy raw fucking blackened goth rock but that didn't happen instead we just formed this new wave band called death rocks <laughs> and that, that's how it or ghoul wave it's more ghoul wave <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that was Nuclear War. Now that did that six Nuclear War now, uh, demo, right. and um, yeah, that's uh, that's the guys from Vaughn. That uh, six. I right know. Now. Yeah. Do you like Vaughn? Conceptually, I like I like Vaughn the way I like Napalm Death Scum. You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, the idea is cool. There's definitely uh, like that repetitive caveman barked vocal, mm. like super reverb. That stuff. Yeah, I can see it's like long reach into the genre of black metal, especially Burzum, and um, even the drawings. Yeah, the, you know yeah. what I mean. It's it's like it's caveman. I love the forced perspective crosses. Oh, 
You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah like, definitely. Like, if you're doing graffiti on your on your peachy notebook in high school, like you do that, like you know, single point perspective. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, and they're buff. It has like an American feel to it, if you know what I mean. Like, I guess it, it just it's just something about the Vaughn demo has like a very isolated sort of feeling to it and i think um the fact that they're american i think was just like really cool you know and it has like this kind of vibe to it that uh yeah it just seems real isolated and i think that's the thing i responded to the most about that and yeah then, it's like super outsider yeah and then like six came out and it's basically i think it's pr pretty much the same guys doing like a diff totally different style of music but yeah the, the next point i'm going to bring up is i a lot of people ask me these questions too about uh, being into extreme metal and like stuff like Fields of the Nephilim and Bauhaus and all that. And mm. I don't particularly feel like there is that much of a jump to go f between those two styles of music. And I think that the Vaughn slash six transition kind of supports my, uh, my hypothesis about that. And obviously, you, you probably have thoughts about that as well. Well, the emotion or, or lack of emotion, the, the nihilism, the feeling that people talk about uh, that's associated with the altered state that good black metal creates in you, uh, when you're playing it or even when you're listening to it, you know, like uh, it's very similar to the, but, but, but kind of like a, a different, a different aspect of this feeling that you feel when you listen to like a, you know, Christian death record. It's, it's the same, like kind of like narcissistic despair. Yeah, I could dig that, definitely. And um, the also the sort of amoralness. Pictures of, of yourself being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I hate all life, but hold my camera in the shadow <laughs> as I grip this chalice. Is it full of poison? Of course it is. But that's like, it's the same fucking drama. It's, it's, it's such, it's very, they're both, all that shit's all up its own ass and i love it i'm up my own ass uh we're all a bunch of like uh saddy face ouroboruses in that respect so like i think that they they they, they go hand in hand because uh it's i'm not saying it's fake at all but because we're humans there it, it, there's some there's some really funny uh, phenomena attached to being really good at expressing how much you fucking hate all life on this planet and humanity specifically, or just hate yourself so exquisitely that uh, I'm going to lay on this grave because it's really a cool looking tombstone and uh, I'm going to feign slitting my throat. It takes the same emotion you know, to want to make art from your, your, your loathing. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like the nature of humanity, really. I mean, theatrical yes. expression, you know, mm -hmm. all the way back to cave paintings and just impressionistic vibes, like impressionism of feelings and emotions and drawing something that doesn't necessarily look like it in, in like a realistic portrayal of that but using your emotion as like a lens to kind of focus that feeling. I guess like that's a yes. lot of like what the theatrical uh, aspects of black metal and death rock and, you know, dark wave, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's one of the things that appeals to me about that style of music too, is, is the transformation, like the, the kind of, um, for lack of a better term, using a different prism to view your own feelings and project that outward into this kind of like dark reflection or dark or a shadow of that particular aspect of your your personality or or your feelings and that becomes like and there are certain you know sort of archetypes within that sort of that are used to communicate these feelings that i think that you know it's it, that that's that's where a lot of the the kind of iconic iconic imagery comes from i believe you know yeah, and I think a lot of it's not even, I mean, it's a lot of it's, you you know, the, a lot of it, it's, it's, it's kind of, I think, sure, it's learned behavior and we, we get inspired by, by the events. So there's a reason that it resonates in people so much. And I think it's like genetic memory. I think forever people have been like violently dancing to, uh, uh, the sounds of screams and 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 covering themselves in war paint or like painting themselves in a whorish way or, or doing whatever and becoming some some shadow self and having a catharsis a, a psychodrama around a, a a pyre or in front of a stage or whatever but it's like you know the reason people some people look at us from outside you know they're like why are you fucking you went to a Watain show and somebody kicked a what at you and there was like you have a staph infection now it's like why would you even do that but uh it's there's a reason there's like hundreds of people there or thousands of people there you know because it, it's it's something that isn't new you know what i mean it's yeah. something that we we did thousands of years ago and we're doing again and it resonates because it's it's in our like genes and dna before i was even aware of metal or any of these things a long time ago when i was a kid i saw the movie altered states and you, you talk about altered states of you know whatever but like that uh, oh, movie yeah. actually i always think back to that film when i think about the kind of primal aspect of this of of the darker music you know what i mean because I've, I also feel like you're connecting to this kind of pre-human or hominid-like barbaric feeling. And that film, uh, and also a lot of the other reading I've done since then about psychedelics and my own personal experiences with that, have sort of bolstered that connection to uh, a, a DNA-born ancestral kind of connection to you know, kind of primal expression. You know what I mean? Mike, did you have like, a, did you have like a thing when you got older? You know, you, we watched that movie when we were kids. Yeah. Did you have a thing where you watched you where you watched it and you you were having a psychedelic experience, and you were like, oh, that's why he was turning into a single cell organism, 
at the end of the movie. You know, that's why he was devolving. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was that was a similar experience I had myself. Like years, I mean, you know, a decade after I saw that film when I was a kid, that was like a similar kind of feeling, sort of experience that I had, where you right dissolve into this kind of like you know consciousness that's you, you you lose connection with who you actually are and you feel like there's a connection to an earlier self that's still you but not at all your identity yes you know what i mean but wait, have you ever heard have you ever heard grant morrison go off on his like his like centipede uh psychic the thing where he 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 was in like Kathmandu or something. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Grant I, Morrison, I the, the comic writer. I, I know, I, I know I don't have to ask you because you <laughs> definitely suck at the, the same black. Yeah. That specific rant I haven't heard, though. I don't know that one, per se. He talked about being in Kathmandu and uh, having this, like, it was the, the knowledge and wisdom of this holy guardian angel called but like uh, whether it was that or not, uh, he described seeing himself, but like all of the selves, like from baby Grant, like adult Grant, and then it would start tapering. And I always thought that like, because I've had that too, where I like I think I can see myself the multiverse uh, when it's the drugs are really good. But uh, but anyway, when you're looking at that, I always assume that at the vanishing point i would be like an altered states monkey and then eventually a single soul organism you know i always feel like at that sort of uh point of convergence you just turn into like pure energy you know you become like oh like yeah nothing really you know and, totally uh, yeah yeah that's the final the, after, after the single soul organism you just <laughs> maybe the daffy duck noise you know that is when he makes the egg disappear you're like boom <laughs> <laughs> that's all that would be funny if that was actually what happens <laughs> i hope it is i hope it is that'd be the perfect hilarity it's got to have a punchline at the end right yeah before it all starts again that's the other thing too is the kind of cyclical nature of things that sort of reinforces the idea that i mean you know once again you can get into the whole uh uh, what the hell is that guy's name? The guy that uh, inspired a lot of the first season of True Detective, where you know time is like a flattened circle and every you know. You just... Not 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 Robert Chambers. No, not Robert Chambers. The guy, the guy well, that's the guy yeah. who wrote uh, the King in Yellow or the Yellow Remember, King. Or you're talking called. about the guy that wrote the the hard boiled character. Uh, no, that's that's that actually um, that's uh, Nick Pizzolatto. I'm talking to oh uh, Legati. Um, he wrote uh, Conspiracy Against All Life, and there is a concept that he has about time being this kind of flattened circle, and every, you kind of become yourself again into infinity, you know what I mean? Mm. And that's kind of like a lot of what, uh, you know, Rust, a.k.a. Matthew McConaughey's character, refers to that all the time, you know what I mean, about having old, infinite opportunities to live the same life over and over and over again, but you're not aware of any of that stuff. It's an interesting shape to imagine time, you know, like a disc. Yeah. But I did, I, I also definitely sensed the Lovecraftian angle too, when he was talking about eyes viewing us from 
from another another state like looking at us uh from from beyond they're like a different a different dimension you know if we're we're in flat time these eyes piercing that are just waiting like hungry parasites waiting to suck on us yeah well it's the same perspective that we would have on like a, a centipede or something like that you know what i mean like if you right or the written word you know what i mean yeah, like uh, word, like who knows if you know, lovecraft and or any of his like at least i don't think any of his like uh those homies i don't think they ever showed you the perspective from hungry megatherian cosmic space-faring monster gods you know like what if what if it were if we exist in two different uh dimensions two different axes you know like we could be literally be a menu you know they could be looking through a comic book or like a a bunch of words that say people and so on like glyphs or whatever until they reach into our world as they become like 3d man this is this is going to go into like a total joe rogan like trip the thon <laughs> like can we put some reverb on our voices or... <laughs> <laughs> we have to drop the pitch of our voices too. Definitely. <laughs> Speaking of uh, HP Lovecraft, have you seen Color from Out of Space? Color Out of Space, rather. I, I thought it was great, you know. And uh, Richard Stanley's like already a fan of Hardware and Best Devil, like, and that even just the, that whole documentary blew my mind. I, I actually just watched. I had to watch it again. Space. The documentary about uh, his misfortune Muscle. in making uh, Island of Doctor Moreau, or a different yes. documentary. Yeah, no, that doc also known as uh, "Don't Tell the, the the Money That You Doing Chaos Magic." <laughs> Ever, whatever to the to be silent part, we just total. It's like social media just like ripped it in half just to be quiet don't tell but yeah that's rough this is it was uh amazing though <laughs> what a great i love that he put the mask on and vanished into the extras so so incredible yeah that was a good one definitely i uh i love the movie i was literally holding back tears at the very end, when um, I think the character's name is Ward, the uh, the surveyor was basically reading the final paragraph of the short story in the monologue at the end. And uh, yeah, it's it's all respect, you know. Oh man, it was like, like he's a real fan. It's yeah. not like I'm gonna fix this story and make it make it something that normal people can get into. By I mean, if you. We after we watched it, we just started watching like every version of every adaptation there had been. That was a real, real faithful adaptation, and the only changes were just for the better. You know, like the Nicolas Cage character. He was he said he was channeling his father for that role. Yeah, he was unhinged in that definitely, and I think he did a great job. My alpacas. <laughs> They're important animals. 
But, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, there was something the, the the way that wrapped up the monologue, and then you know it was a very uh, powerful ending. I thought, and um, yeah, I just felt very. I felt overwhelmed by emotion at the conclusion of that movie, and I watched it during the middle of the day. I went to IFC for like a twelve thirty showing in Manhattan, and I left, and it was broad daylight, and I just had the rest of the day to go on with, and kind of blended back into normal society after watching that movie. It was kind of disappointing, that aspect of the day, though. Hey, you know, there's another Lovecraft thing in the theaters, and I'm pretty sure I, I, I missed it completely. I'm going to have to wait for it to be streaming or something. You know what I'm talking about? No, no. Which What, what other Lovecraft is there? Didn't advertise it, apparently. It's like... It was a secret Lovecraft. Uh, the The... That movie with what's her name from the Twilight movies. Oh wait, um, are you talking about the underwater film? Kristen Stewart. Yeah, the underwater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is basically like like uh, uh, the deep ones from okay. Shadow of Ringsmouth, I guess. Sure. Okay. Uh, and uh, and Cthulhu even makes appearance. Oh wait, spoilers! I just totally <laughs> spoiled that. But you know what? Add. And there's also like kind of, kind of mecha underwater mecha suits. I'm I might have seen that movie opening night. Somebody said, "Hey, huh?" It's like Lovecraft monsters, and they're fighting deep sea mecha suits. I just, I definitely was into. I'm definitely into it. seeing that movie, and I'm even more into it now, knowing that it's a Lovecraftian kind of thing. Because I mean, I was, you know, whenever you see like underwater monsters and like these leviathans and stuff like that, you think of like H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu and all that kind of jazz, you know. Do you see Cold Skin? Oh, oh, God, yes. You know, that's a movie. Oh, not so a lot. Of, I read the I'm book so too. Glad. I read the book as well. I read the book before I saw the movie. I don't even know there was a book. Oh man, the book is it's bonkers. Even more so than the movie. Water, you know. Yeah, I recommend reading the book. Hundred percent. Anyone out Are, there? Who, who wrote it? Some French guy. Uh, hmm. It's escaping me right now, but uh, I will uh, possibly put that in the show notes for if anyone's inter- interested mm. in checking that out. Cold skin. Someone told me that the trilogy that Annihilation was from, which is another color out of space, it's weird. I mean, you can't deny that the whatever books. I mean, apparently the I'm speaking on my ass right now. I read the book trilogy. Apparently, the book that Annihilation is based on. it's all about different perspectives, right? And that whole book, kind of exactly, it, from the way I saw the movie, it's the same as uh, Color Out of Space, right? I basically, I mean, I saw the film Annihilation, but I, I, I know there's a trilogy of books, and somebody whose opinion I value told me the books weren't that good, so I did, I did not oh. check the books out. Huh. Huh. So... But yeah, it's a very much the same kind of vibe of, of like, uh, you know, something from out, something from beyond the stars comes to the planet earth, starts changing everything on a very uh, genetic level and it's expanding. So yeah, the, the premise is basically identical to, uh, to the, Uh, you know, what's crazy is we, the night we went and saw that movie, come home a little early, still kind of awake, decide to 
uh, kind of been tiptoeing through the new Twilight Zone. We throw on uh, Twilight Zone, and it's another Colorado Space adaptation. Really? But this one, this time, it only affects dudes. Huh. Interesting. I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, it's it's exactly Colorado Space, except for instead of mutating like the flora and fauna, it just makes all the males toxicity their masculine their toxic masculinity go through the the roof they're just redding out like guys are just like flipping cars and rape fucking murdering everyone and it's just it's horrible huh okay that sounds yeah. interesting they they handle the they're doing the issues on uh, as they do you know twilight sun is always uh do you like the new twilight sun I haven't really checked it out a whole lot. It's one of those shows that I've been meaning to um, to investigate, but uh, currently the, the last few months have been very, very uh, difficult for me to find free time. So, uh, so, but that one's on my list for sure. Well, you have a record coming out this month, right? Yes, and uh, tour, and we're also recording another record in May. So uh, it's quite busy right now. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of music, we want to go on tour. We want to go on tour so bad. <laughs> hey man, you know it's uh, you know that that's not such a bad idea. I think I think a lot of people would uh, would would really appreciate that. You know, we I I would love it if a few people knew about us. But I'm so glad that you you did this podcast. Well, that's the goal here. Anyway, we spent the whole thing talking about what's in theaters these days. So, <laughs> no, I definitely uh, I I think that. Uh, I just assumed people were like all about you guys because it's uh, the music I think is that good. And um, but before we get, I want to start start talking about the band again. But you were That's also true. the vocalist in uh, Lightning Swords of Death. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is that you have a different name. You're known by a different name in that band than you are in Death Crux. Right. So what's the story with that? Is it there's some sort of like Kabbalistic, uh, you know, secret name kind of vibe going on, or or is it just different aspects of your personality, or what? What's what's the uh, the concept there? I think that it's you know a lot of in you have to assign an intent to everything, right? And sure. Lightning swords of death had a uh like a, a mission with every everything that we did you know sometimes completely like stupid <laughs> but we tried to kind of have some direction and i think that uh part of that process was like leaving your humanity at the door and like making making yourself into like a some kind of fucking monster if you're gonna make this music you know like we're not from Norway and uh, we're from Los Angeles and like there's all this bullshit that gets connected to, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I know you, you do martial arts, right? Yeah, I do. So like, like the best martial arts teachers I ever had uh, would insist upon us just like cleaning the shit out of the place before and after, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And there, it, it made you serious about what you were going to do. 
And so we, in Lightning Swords of Death, you know, we all had like our, our special, our special names and our special, our special gross clothing that were when decorated and made stinky from sweating and then never washed it and just like committed to the, the, the act, you know, committed to the ritual. And part of that was like, I don't want, I don't want, uh, you know, tomorrow I want, I want some, some you know, then it's just in your, in your head. And it's because that's all that's real, really. You know, it's what you believe. And so I think it gave everyone a little bit more freedom uh, to do it. At least that was the idea, you know? Yeah. It's liberating to, to put on a mask. Yeah, it's like superheroes do it. I couldn't get them to go full fucking corpse paint, you know, because uh, there they would be whiny babies, and I didn't want to be the only guy doing that. So we got, I got, we got away with some like, some like Celtic Frost level black shit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and some names, you know, and uh, Jimmy already had his name because he he was doing Endless Blizzard. And uh, that's, I think, where Ross started doing his thing. Yeah, that was a good band, man. And actually, some of your vocal stuff that you did in Lightning Swords, uh, it, there was like precursors to what you're doing in Death Crux, I think, too. Yeah, you because know, it wasn't all yeah. just like extreme de- uh, black metal vocals. The last there was also... record. Yeah, on the last record. Yeah. Uh, by Clarion uh in psychic waters i think i i, I got to do because i wanted to do a little i wanted to change it up a bit sure and try something uh like i didn't want to do some like yarling or nothing i just want to do some like kind of kind of sexy dracula mantras you know and got a little pushback and i had to like muscle it in but uh i think that's when right around when my uh my my itching to to start like a post post punk post 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 type band started happening and uh but i was definitely experimenting in, on bathmetic chaosium trying new things yeah it was, it was cool because then um you know the the ep came out like was there like overlap between the, those two bands or I, i'm not exactly sure of the timeline no, there wasn't. There wasn't. Uh, there, I think I, around then I was like, I think we, we actually got a practice out of them, out of Lightning Swords of Death, and uh, that was about it. We couldn't get any more life out of it. But at the same time, I had begun to put this thing together, and uh, yeah, it was, there was, it was, it was, it was. It, it was underground six feet by the time uh, the EP came out. So to sure. date, there's two releases right now. There's the EP and then there's uh, the mm-hmm. LP. When And the LP came out like, what, like a year ago, I think? Yeah, it came out uh, at the end of 2018, actually. Okay, yeah, so a little over a year. You know, Although somebody put it on a 2019 list, which I thought was very, very considerate. Because we, we did release that the mutant flesh in the worst possible time, you know, 
back in the day when there was a music industry that worked the old timey way, they would have all this, this, this is what we told ourselves when we realized, hey guys, it's like the worst possible time to put a record out. A couple different labels are involved in releasing these records. You know, you got some European pressings, things like that, and cassettes, yeah, like well, all these different Yeah, well, Fixie has got, yeah, all that distro figured out. So we have different different aspects, like CDs. Uh, actually, did we even put out CDs? We had the cassettes and vinyl came out on Sentient, and then there was uh, the label that did the vinyl. I think it's, the reason he did it that way is because Rather than shipping a bunch of vinyl to another shore, he would have them make it, I guess, over there, or at least the uh, the actual records in there, like assembled. I could be totally wrong. It was explained to me several times. Uh, I retained some of it, but I believe that's the reason. That's actually a really that's good re- good idea. I think to do it that way. Yeah, shipping costs are crazy. It's like in some... Send, sending a bunch of art is different than sending a bunch of vinyl. Yeah, it's it's like uh, one of the cost prohibitive steps is shipping sometimes. So that's a really good idea if that was if that actually was the idea. I think it was sound. It's a bummer because uh, the it, the the covers on the vinyl were were a mistake. The the girl was supposed to be full bleed, and uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, the. If we ever do a, a, another pressing of it, it will be different. Are there plans for any more uh, new music for you guys? Yeah, yeah, we're we've been working on something. We're, we're it's a sluggish pace, Mike, but we are working on something. I think uh, I'm not going to say what it is because there's a little debate <laughs> on that, how we want to release it. But uh, we we we're we're in the we're in the workshop. Good. We're making some stuff. Definitely. Um, really want to like get out to your side of uh, the continent for sure. Haven't been there yet. Really, you guys haven't we're, toured that, out in the East Coast yet? No, no. We've only done like you know the, the little. Uh, up north and back vibe. Yeah, stay in touch, man. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we got, like I said, we have an LP coming out later in the year. Oops, oops. I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but uh, we're recording another record in May, and it's I think it's going to be coming out this year. So in addition to the touring we have this, this uh, spring, we'll be doing some stuff in the fall, and, you know, maybe we can do something out here. That'd be so Oh, hell yeah. I would love that. Absolutely. Man. Hey, you come to L.A., you let me know. Yeah. And, like, uh, the bummer is I don't that know who who handles your shows, but we got peeps. Yeah, the thing the thing about this run, <laughs> we're we're going out with uh we're playing with Napalm Death on this tour, and and the uh, there's no LA show because they're playing like that Decibel Festival, and so we're playing in Santa Ana, which I believe is like maybe 90 miles outside of uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, I think I know that spot. I think I've seen some other festivals there. Yeah. And uh, so the show is, it shows out there and that's the last day of the tour. And, uh, and we're going to drive back to New Jersey, New York area, you know, and no, uh, nice. uh, no, no show in Los Angeles. And I, I'm bummed cause I, you know, I got a lot of friends out there and it's, it's a cool town to hang out in. Santa Ana is not that 
I mean, people can make it out there. We got, yeah. I think we yeah. got a train. <laughs> if it's anything like New York, no one goes anywhere here. It's like, unless, unless you could go a couple of blocks here in New York, no one goes, you know, it's like, unless it's like a major show, it's really hard to get people to leave their neighborhoods out here, you know? And I think it's the same here, man. Like, yeah. I, do you know Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I know certain right, areas. So like, like the East side and the West side are like separate. I, there were friends that have moved to that side of town and this might be just cause I'm a fucking asshole, but uh, I've had friends that I would, they, they would like move from like, you know, 200 miles away or what have you to really close, like, but just on the West side. And I would like, which is like Santa Monica or Venice or whatever. And I'd see them less than when I made a calculated visit to uh, where they were just cause like, I think it's just traffic just sucks, you know? You know, I, yeah, I think traffic in LA is way worse than it is out here for sure. And it sucks here, you know? For anyone out there who is interested in finding out information about the band, is there a central location? Like, a, what's the what's the best way for people to, you know, is there like a one stop shop for to get downloads of the LP and the EP and to find out what you guys have going on or watch videos of you live or, you know, or uh, rock videos no, or any of that stuff? Not at all. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No, no, we well, we got we got like a band camp, you know, and I think you can download our our MP3s, and uh, there's still there's we still have some records left, but you have to come see us perform. To uh, I should probably mention shows coming up. Yeah, but, man. Uh, yeah, let yeah. It, if, let it rip. If there's like a gig, that's the best way to get the last of the mutant flesh lp we're playing on uh thursday march 24th with ozario at the uh lexington bar in los angeles on march 24th and then we're we're playing march 1st in oakland where's the venue in oakland that's that's the elf room on march 1st what is the best place that people can uh, can find you? Like Facebook, Instagram, or there you know things like that. Yeah, I mean we got we got a Facebook, we got a we got an Instagram, we got we got a Bandcamp. Did you hear that just now? Yeah. I mean, that was just I wasn't sure if when the phone vibrates if if it's audible. Oh no no your phone your phone vibrated. Oh yeah, it was making weird noises. Oh no, no I didn't hear anything. Um, yeah, we have a Bandcamp, we have a Facebook, we have an Instagram. Uh, we don't have like an official website, really. Uh, you, there's also like I, I'm sure Sentient Ruin, uh, the label that put out uh, Mutant Flesh, probably uh, has a page for us as well with some information. But you know, people could just reach out. Like somebody just reached out and was like, yo, I want to get a death crux shirt. We just, just wrapped it up and sent it to him. Hell yeah. Uh, we're, it's, we're still such a, such a, a, a new band, even though we've been around for a few years, but we're just such babies that like we, we've yet to actually 
organize a online catalog or website or anything like that. So it's still really like mom pop. It's real personal. You can just reach out to Brian or Jason or myself, Brandon. Well, Brandon, Brandon might hang up on you. Brandon, Brandon will like throw shade because, you know, I'm kidding. He's a sweet guy. He's a good, sweet boy. Um, you know, I, I hear you, you do some, like, you, you do some clean vocals on, on, on tombs too. You get, you get, you get, you, you pull the drag, you put, press the Dracula transfiguration. Oh yeah. I think I, I, from, from day one, I've been doing that actually. And yeah, uh, and I quite enjoy it. And also, uh, the funniest thing about it is that I reference, probably the most underappreciated feels of the nephilim record as uh, one of my main influences and that would be uh the nephilim zune that record oh um, it's like I it's mean, like, it's like they're like, you like I, I'm, I'm not it's not like going oh, i'm a cherry orchards guy i mean it's it's a, it's a good record Is yeah people, they don't like it no i love it i think it's great but most people don't even acknowledge that album i think it's a amazing record but uh, whenever I talk about it, they're like, oh, that's like their cheesy industrial metal record. And I'm like, nah, man, it's, oh. it's got some great tracks on it, you know? Oh, man, you can't, you can't angel rap that record. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, I got a chance to see them uh, in, in the Netherlands. We played Roadburn Festival uh, like maybe four or five years ago. And, uh, or maybe not that long ago. And uh, we played the same day that Fields of the Nephilim played, and I got a chance to experience them in person, and it was mind blowing, man. It was like exactly what you would hope it would be. And uh, I've never seen them. That's that's awesome. Yeah, dude, I wow. I don't think they've been here since the early '90s, honestly. Probably <laughs> not. I would. I would. I I don't remember ever seeing any anything about them playing in the last decade like no, it, i kind of you know i did finally get to see plan of zymox that was weird yeah those did i, I didn't them? i didn't know they they played in the states either weird they they did they played in the states they played like uh you know five minutes from here no way uh they played the uh the echo okay and the uh echo Plex. yeah i know that place with drab majesty it was a, it was a cool show i like i like clan of zymox I'm not a big so, Drab Majesty fan though, but I like Clan of Zinlocks. Yeah, Drab is is a uh, yeah, it's like a it's very it's very it's very hip. People like that Drab. Um, it's kind of yeah. I I like a lot of it, but uh, I also I I can tell where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's a well that they're going to yeah. quite frequently, I think. We were talking about earlier the uh, the pageantry of some of this stuff, and he's he's definitely leaning into the the pageantry, the creating of a of a of an, a new entity to be representative of his art, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate it. It's just it's not really. I can't I can't bite into it really like some other bands. Right. Yeah. Well, Farron, uh, thank you very much. Uh, 
you know, we're going to conclude this episode. Is there anything that you, uh, you want to add as far as promotion for your band or anything like that? Um, I would say that, uh, come and reach out, demand death cracks in your, in your record stores and in your, your local venues. And, uh, and we will come because, uh, like I said, we love playing to people. You are addicted to mutant flesh. Precognitive perception. Cold sweat. Degenerative attention. Well, that's it for this week's episode of No Matters, the Guinea Radio Weekly Podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.